but you got to take ownership of, of who you are and the mistakes you make. You got to be humble enough to know that you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes and you got to own those things. Welcome again to the Prime Mover Podcast, where we ignite the engine of your success in faith, family, finance, and fitness. Join us as we explore the power of being a prime mover in both your professional and personal life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode three of the Prime Mover Podcast. You got Travis and Nick here, and we are joined by an amazing special guest uh, today, a man who I know and love and I've pursued a relationship with. Um, and the only person who's pursued that relationship harder is him pursuing me. Uh, I'm glad to announce Jim Sabellico uh, to the set today. How you doing, Jim? Good. I'm uh, I'm honored to be here in your in your presence. Honored to be on this episode, and I'm excited to be prime moving. So I'll start out by um, one asking you to kind of give us a little story about uh, who you are, um, a CV, if you will. And then also maybe something about your personal life, family. I know that's <clears throat> that's important to me. So uh, it's not just a business podcast here. I think you could be a prime mover. Or we believe you can be a prime mover in every area of your life. So we'd love to hear a little bit about you, your family, your business stories, and tell everybody how they can, who you are, man, how famous you are. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, my name is Jim Sabellico. I am uh, 37, living in New York, currently a father to two beautiful kids, Joseph and Marielle, a husband to my wife, Cassandra. Uh, that's first and foremost. Uh, beyond that, I've done a thing or two in the business world, started my first business at the age of eight, uh, which sounds kind of crazy. Most people think like you're an eight-year-old kid, you're not doing anything real. Um, had a bit of a landscaping business, making a couple hundred bucks a week as an eight-year-old kid which, you know, growing up in the 90s as an eight-year-old kid, you got a couple hundred bucks in your pocket, you are, like, you're on top of the world. Um, that gave me a really early sense of success and freedom, where you can be like, yo, mom, let's go to the toy store. I got some cash to burn, because, you know, what else are you going to spend it on? Um, that was a lot of fun, and I parlayed that into a bunch of different other side hustles. Um, I used to walk people back to my house, on lunch break at school to uh, install wallpapers on their phone for 20 bucks a piece because that was like a new thing at the time and i knew how to do it nobody else did that's cool. man that's awesome that's great you want a really cool wallpaper <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that was that was my early days and uh i kind of developed this midas touch if you will of success where i felt like i could walk into any business experience and just crush it um I did well academically, uh, honor roll kid, top 10% uh, of the class. I never took a note ever. Uh, I was the type that could just kind of sit back and absorb and just show up and take the test and just ace it. Uh, so I had this super early definition of like, like I said, the Midas touch. I could show up in a business. I could show up in school. I could, I could do the things I needed to do and do them well and win. Um, that gave me a, a really skewed view of what success was and i still have to say i got a little further ahead in life we got married uh, we had our first kid back in 2013 and i remember coming home uh, my wife was standing in the bathroom and i came home and I, and she you know had the pregnancy test there and i sank down real real quick because like it hit home it was serious like it's one thing to be in a relationship one thing to be married but when you're bringing a life into it it's a whole different level of responsibility, and I never really knew what to do with that. 
really good at doing things, making money, uh, providing, but as a father, I didn't really know what to do there. Um, to give a little context to that, my example of, of being a dad, my father, was first one out of the house, last one home. He was gone before I woke up, and he would come home after I went to sleep. Uh, I saw him you know, a few hours here and there because he was always out working, owned his own business, working in, in New York City as a lawyer, um, later on moved uh, the whole business back to Long Island to be closer to the family, but still working, hustling out of the house more than he was in it. And that was my that was my example that I followed. Um, so I'll wrap the story up and it'll make more sense in a minute. But, uh, you know, when we actually had our kid, I didn't really know what to do other than just keep leaning into what I thought I was supposed to do was to go out and provide. And that's what I did. I was out of the house earlier. I was home later. And I, and I made a, a promise to my wife. You know, she worked up until she gave birth. And... I'll, I'll never forget this moment either. I remember her coming home and saying, like, full nine months pregnant. I don't care if I have to eat peanut butter and jelly the rest of my life. I'm done with this. Right? And, and in the moment, obviously, she was just ready to give birth and get back to life as usual. But um, I was like, all right, cool. Message received. I'm going to go out and I'm going to work harder and provide more so that you can, you know, be a stay-at-home mom, uh, which in today's day and age, especially living up here, is is absurd. But that's what I did. I left earlier. I came home later. And uh, it used to be a badge of honor for me to post on Instagram like 3 o'clock in the morning when I would leave the house. I would take a video out the front windshield of the car as I was driving that nobody on the road, right? And this like badge of honor that I'm out here hustling and grinding harder than you before you even wake up. And October 9th, 2019, all that changed for me. Uh, 8.45 at night, I come home, and it's my son's birthday, sixth birthday. And like I said, 8.45 at night, I, to this day, couldn't tell you what I was doing working until that point in time, what was so important that I could not be home. But whatever it was at the time kept me out of the office because my priorities were just whack. And I came home, and I was like, all right, well, let's sing happy birthday because that's, you know, what we're going to do. And my wife pulls out the cake, puts it on the table, and half of it's gone. I missed singing happy birthday to my son because I was prioritizing the wrong stuff. Right? I was out providing, doing what I thought I was supposed to do to be successful. But I'm standing there in front of a half-eaten birthday cake like a stranger in my own house. I've got no relationship with my wife. She's basically a single mom at that point because, yeah, while I'm providing... What good am I other than just being a bank account? I'm not showing up as a husband for support. I'm not helping with the kids. Like, I have no relationship with my kids at that point. I barely knew myself. I'm tremendously out of shape, overweight. Like, I am in the worst possible situation you could ever believe. And I realized in that moment that what I thought success was, right? when I thought success was how much you can sell, how big of a business you can build, how much money you can put into a bank account, meant absolutely nothing if you couldn't actually be there in the life that you built. Uh, so that's what I call my no-half-cake moment. And um, I made a promise to myself since that day uh, to not have to come home and wonder how much of the cake I'm coming home to. So every freaking day when I open that, that door, when I come home, um, every situation I step into, 
every relationship I, I, I lean into, I want to make sure that entire cake, not a sprinkle is missing. I am going to be there for every freaking part of it. And uh, that's a little background on who I am. Man, I'm, I've heard that story a couple of times and it makes me emotional every time because I guess the first and foremost is when somebody remembers the moment, you know, when you remember the date and the time and, and, and the why and the date, you just know it's genuine. And so for me, I've heard the no half cake story. I even wrote it down. And so Jim, um, is that your podcast name? No half cakes podcast. Yeah. So I, I've done Jim's podcast as well. And so something that significant when your life takes an amazing turn so much so that the, the, the next chapters are geared towards that moment and you, you begin to coin uh, a message around that. That's a, that's a, um, that's a high value moment. You know, that's a miracle moment in my opinion. And you know, I'm looking at your shirt now and it says Barnabas and you're such an amazing Barnabas to me. I have to know um, where does God fit into that story? Um, first is the short answer. Um, prior to that, not at all. So before then, my first pursuit was, it was money. It was vanity. Right? It's, it's what I like to coin as like babe Ben's bank account, right? The things that most people term as successful based on what we see on social media. Um, I actually shared this the other day in, in the speech I gave, I was talking to a um, small audience and it was back in that hometown where that business was um, that I used to drive to at three o'clock in the morning. Um, and I used to post videos of myself driving at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning in complete darkness. And I was proud of how hard I was hustling and I made a change after that to realize that like the hustle for me and my own personal benefit and my bank account and how much stuff I could accumulate kept me in the dark. And when I made the change to put God first, to honor my relationship with him, to honor my relationship with everybody I interact with, to do things for the right reasons, to create legacy, um, to be a man of honor, to be a father and a husband, to be a friend, to be a son. It changed my perspective to the point that now it was four o'clock in the afternoon and I was driving that same road I drove at four o'clock in the morning. But man, when I tell you I have a picture of it, I can share with you the sunset that day, like just about almost the day, four years later, I was driving that same road, except this time in the light man and and the sunset was freaking on fire and i and i saw that to say the difference when you do it for the right reasons right when you put the first thing first when you honor god you honor your relationships you honor the gifts that you're given and then the difference is literally light light and dark night and day man jim i just want to uh thank you for sharing that with us uh that's an amazing testimony and uh very proud to have that um uh, I, I hate to use the word proud, but um, <clears throat> I think it's something that people go through and 
just need to hear. There, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling, that are striving to be that that prime mover in their business, but they turn around and forget about being the prime mover in their family and in their personal life. And so that's uh, just wanted to thank you on that for sharing that with us. That's an amazing story. Yeah, um, a couple great point. Um, <clears throat> tying it back into why we're here is is defining the role of a prime mover in every area. You know, and I put down. Uh, I, I love my, our talking points that we use in a lot of the masterminds I'm in as faith, family, finance, and fitness as quadrants of your life. But as a prime mover, um, we can quantify showing up as a protector or provider. We can quantify showing up as a prophet, priest, king, or warrior. And what I know about Jim is that he is the prime mover in every area. Uh, Jim and I are in a mastermind together where we just had a, a very powerful call yesterday. And we, the word covenant is what came up. Our relationship that we have amongst, you know, seven or eight other men uh, and our wives now has become a covenant relationship. So I would like for you just to give your opinion on, on uh, what, what does covenant mean to you and how, how, does, how, do, how do men, especially successful entrepreneurs, transition from surface level relationships, surface level friendships into no half cake relationships. I want a prime moving relationship. I want a covenant relationship. A lot of men who get caught up in the 5 a.m. grind, in the 8 p.m. grind, their relationships in their home, outside their home, and with God are surface level. Covenant is something to me that, you know, I have my own meaning for it. I'm sure we can go with Webster's meaning for it, but I want to hear Jim Sabellico's meaning of covenant and how do entrepreneurs who are moving and shaking and prime movers transition from surface level relationships to covenant relationships? It's a great question. And uh, I think the answer for me is honor, integrity, and good days and bad. So there's a couple points I want to make on that. Um, I wound up on the brink of divorce twice. Um, the first one being, you know, shortly after that no half cake moment when my wife said like, you know, what, what we're doing right now isn't working. Like, sure, you're providing for the family, but I can get the same thing from like, you know, a line of credit. What yeah. you're doing is not contributing. And that was a hard conversation to hear. Leave it up to our wives to always give the most blunt advice. <laughs> I may use that one, Jim. Don't be just a line of credit. All yours, man. Um, <laughs> Thanks. When you're welcome. You know, when you're when you're in a spot where your entire life you've been successful at all the things you do, you kind of come at it with this arrogance and this <clears throat> ego that you can't fail. And to get corrected like that, where you got to realize you are failing in a, in a major way, right? When you stood in front of God and your entire family and said, hey, I'm going to honor this woman through good days and bad right through good times and bad it's not just when everything is going great but it's it's also when one of you messes up and i'm man enough to realize i goofed up right like sure i wasn't out there doing anything uh i wasn't chasing women i wasn't doing drugs i wasn't gambling i wasn't drinking but the end result is still the same i was dishonoring my wife sure. right i was dishonoring the promise that i made and I think we tend to make excuses for ourselves to let us off easy in that, right? Um, but you got to take ownership of, of who you are and the mistakes you make. You got to be humble enough to know that you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. And you got to own those things. So 
you know, putting the, the ego and the pride aside, I think is really applicable to your relationships, right? To know that you're going to mess up and you have to ask for feedback. You have to know how you messed up. You have to ask for what their expectations of you are. And that's the same in, in business. You need to know what the expectations are. You need to know how you're failing. You need to get the customer feedback. Nobody wants to know that they had a customer who was pissed off. No one wants to hear that they dropped the ball. But where do you learn? You learn when you make mistakes. You learn when, when you go through an experience that, that smacks you in the face and says, hey man, you're not as good as you thought you were. Take a step back, learn the lesson, and keep it moving. But you gotta be willing to be wrong and to be humble. Um, the second time I wound up on the brink of divorce was the opposite. Um, you know, I wound up in a situation where I was on the receiving end of some mistakes. Look, man, it happens. Would it have been easy for me to be like, this isn't working out for me. I'm out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think most people would take the easy route in that scenario. But regardless of what I feel in the moment, right? No matter how much I feel like disrespected, dishonored, upset, pissed off, whatever you want to term it, right? Look, she gave me grace. I gave her grace. I made a promise for good days and bad. Okay, so that means good days and bad, not just good days and bad when it's convenient for you. But like, that's the thing is that when you when you make a promise to somebody, you freaking keep it. Otherwise, if you don't have your word, you don't have your integrity, what do you have? And look, this, this carries through so many things in life. Um, but if you can't keep it in private, you'll never keep it in public. Like so many people try and just put on this picture on their social media or their outward relationships about how great life is. We want to portray this amazingness that goes on, right? And how amazing our lives are because we don't want to fail publicly. We don't want people to judge us, to criticize us. But guess what? People are doing it anyway. Right, and it, and it comes to a point where eventually you realize that you're going to get judged regardless, and those people's judgments or opinions of you don't matter. But you got to get past that ego and pride part first, and you got to be willing to be humble. You have to be willing to be a servant, right? Like you said the other day, man, you got to be a professional foot washer. You got to show up and do the work and not worry about, you know, who's got the title doesn't matter who's got the title what's the value what's the core value what's the what's the integrity behind what you're doing and i think when you can put that stuff first that's how you can honor a covenant is by making a promise and keeping it on good days and bad man i i, I know our camera can see it but i got goosebumps um if you are looking for a definition or an example or what of what a prime mover is, Jim Sabellico is that. Uh, I, I would like to surmise what he said in so many words is obviously integrity was a, was a large part of what he, what he spoke about, but the ability for a successful business owner to come out on a podcast with other business owners and not speak predominantly about business, but leading through vulnerability, that's a prime mover in my mind. That's 100% a prime mover because vulnerability and honor will unlock those around you. Uh, a mentor of mine who's who's been involved in my life the last few years talks about honor unlocking. When you honor another man, you unlock 
something in him that he hasn't brought to light before. However, in my heart, I believe that vulnerability is the, is the skeleton key to the castle. When you can become vulnerable and you have, no, you have no shame in your game and you're willing to get nude in front of other guys, spiritually and emotionally, of course, um, the best part of us will come out. And so I, I'm, vulnerability is, is what I, I believe to be the cornerstone of even Jim and I's relationship. I don't know if, if you agree to that, but um, we've been super vulnerable around each other. We're around men who will get super vulnerable. And that, to me, back to the first part of my question, that's how a covenant relationship is formed. That's how it's seeded. That's the foundation of it is, you know, you can't be half caking around life, calling yourself a prime mover in every area. You got to show up and wash some feet. And so Nick and I actually had that conversation yesterday. Yep. This has been the foot washing thing has been something that's transcended almost every arena over the past few days, because when you boil it down, th there's no form of leadership that is long lived or, or transcends your career, your lifespan or anything that doesn't begin with your, your vulnerability and ability to wash the feet of those who you ask to follow, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I wanna add two things to that if I could. Number one is, I think a large part of our relationship is also intentionality because I'll speak for myself and I believe this of you too, I have zero intentions of our relationship other than honoring you and pouring into you and seeing how we can multiply each other, right? If I approach this relationship where I said, man, I'm going to reach out to this guy and foster a relationship because I'm looking to buy a generator and I want a family discount on it. Right? Which is common. This wouldn't work. <laughs> no discounts. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. But the intentionality behind how you do things, I think really carries over into business as well. And you see the people who have intentions of genuinely helping the people that they serve as customers, those people do well. The people who try and uh, lie, steal, and cheat to get out in front and market to and, and really try and hook people into this deal, which doesn't actually serve the customer, ultimately don't do that well, right? So it's, it's about the intentionality of the relationship, and that holds true in personal relationships and business relationships. Absolutely. I think... You know, if, if people who are following podcasts or per, if anybody who would be who this podcast or Jim's podcast would speak to, uh, it's in a genre of its own, I believe. I think uh, there are business podcasts, there are spiritual podcasts, there are leadership podcasts, but I don't know of many biblical, spiritual, entrepreneurial leadership podcasts. So if that demographic fits you, everything that we just said, exactly what he said, you know, uh, I was going to give you a shick and say, hey, man, we don't do discounts, no half cakes on generators here. But, you know, at the end of the day, what he said was when you lead to foster a relationship, what's the value exchange? If you lead through providing value, asking for nothing in return, then no one ever asks you for a discount. You know what I mean? Like if if I'm going to give the value, our clients, we're giving value. This podcast, guess what? People that do podcasts, we don't, this is not a monetary value-added podcast. This is men who are being vulnerable, getting out there and sharing a message to unlock other men. You know, I could, people can easily say, oh, this guy's getting on a podcast that's egotistical. I view that differently. I view that as I'm out searching for covenant relationship. Relationship knows no boundary to me. There's no global proximity on a relationship that is built on a value exchange. So, I, you know, 
truth be told, Jim and I could be doing business together in many ways, but that's not how it started. My hope is that I do business with Jim and Jim does business with me as a byproduct of a value exchange and a covenant relationship. So if there's any coin that I could drop on anybody about building relationships, uh, I'm gonna talk about him later on when I talk about a book, but Patrick Bed David is a, is a guy who I, I love and he doesn't even know he's a mentor to me, but he talked about how, you know, when he hit nine figure net worth salary and he gave his life to Christ and he began valuetainment and all these things that he's doing, people would come up to him and say, hey man, can I get on your podcast? Or, hey, man, can you do this for me? Hey, can... And he, he was talking to young entrepreneurs and saying, man, that is not the way to start a relationship. Go and give somebody value first, and that value exchange is going to take place by way of covenant because you're starting the relationship by giving rather than receiving, and that's professional foot washing, in my opinion. I agree. <clears throat> I also think it, it leads to another point. Um the difference between trophies and treasure. Uh, have you ever read this before? So there's a, a difference between treasure and trophies that I don't think a lot of people realize. And we are in a culture right now where everyone is chasing trophies. They're chasing those metrics. They're chasing the likes and the followers and the comments. And they want to be on that podcast because they want the trophy of, uh, you know, showing up in that relationship, not for, honoring the relationship, not for being a prime mover where they can go first, tell their story, be vulnerable and set an example, but they just want the clout of being up there. But the differences between treasure and trophies is trophies are things that get passed around. There's a new person holding that trophy the next day, right? Someone else is going to be in that spot. You know, they're facing the thumbnail. They're in that podcast. They're getting those likes and comments. Trophies get passed around from hand to hand. It might feel good in that moment, but it doesn't last long, right? But when you pursue the treasure, right, the treasure you keep, you hold on to, you, there's value in that. And we got a culture that's, that's so addicted to chasing trophies instead of treasure, right, that we got to flip the script. We have to be the ones to say, hey, man, I don't really care if three people watch this podcast episode and you and I never make a dollar off of it. If those three people get some value and they become prime movers in their own life, and they go out and they influence change, job done, man. We're good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, look, we're episode three. So I'm hoping three people watch. But if it's one person watching, yeah, well, if, no, three of us, hey, if nobody's watching, there we go. if yeah. nobody's watching, I'm getting value from this. I like being in rooms with other prime movers, um, using technology even to get in the room. It, it, you know, it's, it's 2024. So speaking of technology, I like to transition a little bit if we can. We... 30 minutes in, so I want to go ahead and transition to talk about business. I want to talk about what your what your main uh, the main thing in your entrepreneurial life, and maybe even some. I understand you have like a subscription dog treat box business. I want I want to hear you know in maybe three to five minutes or something. Talk about what uh, pays the bills for Jim Sabellico from a monetary value because I I know your honor, integrity, intentionality is what pays the spiritual bills, but I want to know what pays the financial bills. I, I, want, I want people who are who want a little bit more entrepreneurial spirit, I want them to be fed as well. So. Sure. Yeah, I'd definitely love to talk on that. So I have a different, uh, few different uh, businesses at this point, which are uh, top level for me. Um, the, the main one 
that I would say is, is a business called Heartcore Growth. Um, I can play on hardcore, but heartcore. Um, it used to be called for 12 years, J. Lewis Technology. And that started out because my middle name is Lewis. So it was a fancy way of using my name and, and putting that at the center of what we did. And it was web design, marketing, uh, that sort of thing for any business in the world. Uh, we would show up if you had a cheese store and you needed a website done, you called us up, we made your website, we kept it moving. But it got to a point where that became unfulfilling uh, because I don't want to just be another guy who sells websites. And uh, we had a bit of a conversation internally about how do we do this our way, not just be another digital agency, not just be another website guy, but how do we do this with our heart and passion and our values and, and put that first and foremost. And I understand it might rock some some people in an uncomfortable way, but we're going to do it our way because there's no other way to do it. So we rebranded uh, last year to Heartcore Growth uh, and put our heart and our intentionality and our core values front and center in everything we do. Um, we no longer take on random customers who just need a website done. We build long-term uh, relationships and partnerships with people who are looking to do good for people. Uh, and we only work with people who are giving back in some way, shape or form, either to their customers, their community, uh, or any other way, shape or form to positively benefit culture. Uh, we get involved from a standpoint that we are there through business and personal. So when we build those relationships, it's not just, hey, uh, can you build us a website and then keep it moving? No, we're, we're there to build the website and then have the conversation with you personally on, hey, how was your weekend? How's your relationship with your wife going? Because we believe that strong people build strong businesses and businesses are just an exchange of value between people. So if we don't solve the people problem first, no matter what we do from a marketing standpoint, a user experience website, uh, no matter what, it's not going to work. And we put a lot of the personality and care and love and heart into that which is really uncommon and really hard to sell, honestly, because most people are not looking for that. Uh, and so they get that and realize, man, this hits different, right? Because it's not, you're not hiring some random dude to build your website and then you're never going to talk to him again, right? You're building that relationship with someone who's going to like, know, and trust every part of your internal organization to really like bring out the story, bring out the interaction, Right. So for you guys, for example, we're not looking at how do we sell more generators? We're looking at how do we connect with the people who need it to make sure that their uh, grandma who's on life support is always going to have a stable electric supply. Right. We're looking for the story behind it and how does it impact people in a way other than just profit? Uh, that's that's the crux of what I do. So go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, I love that. I mean, obviously, it speaks to me. Yeah, in my Speaks background. Speaks to our core values. Speaks to our core sure. values here. Um, man, I, I just like the way that you kind of talk about being concerned about the business owner beyond whether or not you're getting that ROAS, whether or not they're getting that return on investment. I think that's a that is a huge um, benefit that or huge value that you can't really put a price tag on. And so. Um, because once people understand that you're you're there to provide, you're there to provide them um, beyond just hey this particular service, this website, this design, this marketing. Mm -hmm. I think I think that relationship grows, and um, 
and it'll bring you places that you never thought, to be honest. Yeah, that 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 idea and concept from being from the heart is atypical of what's common in society today. You know, uh, I think it it's, it speaks a lot to when Jim on October 9, thousand nineteen, um, when his life changed and the and the leading. Um, I guess the terminal disciplines in his life was getting up early, grinding over Grayson and getting out on the road. Uh, I guess what society has only driven further into that. You know, um, it's changed for Jim. It's changed for me. It's changed for Nick, but it hasn't changed for everybody. You know, it's uh, this outwork, you know, I'm in a couple of different business masterminds and, you know, the guys are constantly competing against who outworks everybody. And, you know, we got EBITDA tattooed on their forehead and just <laughs> profit margin and stuff like that. But I've watched so many men and so many people who are prime movers in their business fall to that. You know, um, there's tons of scripture speaking specifically to that. But I would say, you know, the most the most impressive part of that for me is that um, not only is Jim doing that, but that is the first thing that he brought up. It's the first business he talked about. It's the first explanation. You know, he did seven other things. I'm not going to interview him on his seven sources of income, but because in my opinion, he had the meat and potatoes and the substance delivered on a silver platter. Hardcore growth. I love that, Jim. Um, I want to ask you about that kind of, you kind of stole my, the thunder on my next question, but we talk a lot here about corporate currency inside of our business. What does currency look like? That's not actually dollar exchange. It may be value exchange. Or if you are explaining to a young entrepreneur who wants to do it right, who's already a prime mover, who may have a lawn care company. And as soon as he graduates high school, it's stepping out to bigger and better things. Or maybe somebody out there on a car lot who's mastered the art of sales and wants to get out there what is the corporate currency that that young entrepreneur can look for and even maybe develop inside of their first venture? Relationships. I think relationships are the big thing there. And I'm going to go a roundabout way of answering this, but let me say this for people who need to hear it. A lot of people look for money as the primary thing they focus on because they feel like Money is the thing that they need to operate in life to get the things that they want. But I believe you'll understand this and agree. When you build relationships with the right people and the right intentionality, most of the people who have the things that you want will freely give them to you because of how much they freaking love you and honor you for who you are in their life. And we... We miss that connection somewhere along the line where we think the only way to get the things that we need in life is by exchanging our time and our energy for pieces of paper to then hand to someone else who we don't even know to get stuff. Right? But when we stop thinking that that's the only way to transact, the only way to operate, the only way to get things accomplished in life, we realize that there's another form of currency called relationships where we can intentionally pour into other people and lift them up and do the right thing and honor them. And realize that if I need something, I can go call up 48 other people and they'll give me whatever I need without even asking, hey, you know, here's the financial aspect of it. But that doesn't come from just calling them up asking for a favor. It comes from intentionally pouring into those relationships first. So 
for someone who's looking to start growing and start figuring out, hey, how do you take this to the next level? You put this to a point where you honor the relationships that you're getting into, whether that's someone you're selling a car to, whether that's someone whose grass you're cutting, because you realize you're not just cutting their grass. You're affecting how people in the neighborhood see them and their property. You're not just selling them a car. You're affecting their ability to get safely to and from work or to uh, their kid's soccer practice. So if you don't honor the relationship that you're putting in and the time and the energy and the heart that you're putting into every person you come across, you're doing a disservice. And people got to stop being so short-sighted with the fact that it's not just the dollar you take home at the end of the week and what you can spend it on, but looking long-term and realizing, hey, how do you interact with people in the world to a thought that that positive karma, that energy comes back to you in ways that you'll never even fathom. But relationships first. Jim, just as you're speaking, one of the things that pops in my head is you kind of talked about uh, before you came to the realization um, that you worked hard, you were a hard worker, you were up before everybody. And when you started realizing the value of relationships, I wonder if you can just speak to like relationships in general. Like how often do we say, man, I work hard at my relationship. I, I get up before everybody else to make sure my relationship is where they need to be with my wife, my spouse, my kids, my friends. And with God. And with God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we never do that. I mean, I do it currently, but historically speaking, never, because it's just a thing that you you know take for granted. And I think especially a lot of people who are in that entrepreneurial spirit tend to wear a lot of different hats, tend to uh, you know be first and foremost a firefighter where they're jumping around day to day to put out whatever's on fire the biggest. And oftentimes our uh, relationship with faith, our relationship itself, our relationships at home tend to suffer because they go unnoticed. You know, what happens is the employee, the angry customer, the, the bill, whatever else becomes the bigger fire first. And you focus on those things until you just got nothing left. You come home, you muster through the rest of the day, you fall asleep on the couch, you wake up and do it all over again. Next thing you know, it's been 15 years and you've got no relationship, you've got nothing, but, but what? You got some dollars in the bank, cool, but there's nothing left. Um, so yeah, it's a great question. And I think the more that you put that as the focus first which is really hard because it doesn't always necessarily provide that like quantitative fruit right away it's hard to see because there's no scoreboard for that um, but it's super important man he brought the fire <laughs> uh we got to get you back on dude S same as uh, as we did two days ago i'm gonna go we're gonna go through our energizer round of questions if that's all right with you um, take the next few minutes. Um, so I'll start with what is your life verse? What's your scripture that you have tattooed on the, on the memory of your heart that you live and die by? Um, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you two technically, because one of them isn't really, uh, number one is, is lean not on your own understanding. Um, you know, I, I think too many of us try and do us first and we try and will our way through things and we try and figure it out on our own. Um, you know, especially being an entrepreneurial spirit, you got a lot of that <clears throat> feeling like you got to be the one to solve the problems. And um, when you get out of that mindset and you realize that it's not about you, right? I think you realize that a lot of your problems go away too. Um, my other, which I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, is a rising tide lifts all boats, which you can see over my shoulder here is not just a thing that I put on the shelf to look nice. It's 
it's literally uh it's a life motto um i know this is an energizer question so i'm guessing this is kind of fast but if i can get a minute no, of your want, time i want to share we, this i call them energizer questions because i want to energize our audience so you know don't take your time man all right so uh this is visual um i i don't know if you've ever really heard or seen the story behind this this tattoo i wear Some proudly on my arm all right so let me take you through this real quick because this is a depiction of this what the sign over my shoulder means to me um this is something I drew up about six years ago. Um, and I'll, I'll walk you through the meaning of it because it's, it's called the rising tide lifts all boats. And what it really is, is it's the sacrifice of the generation before us to raise the tide for the next generation and the responsibility that I feel as a father to do the same. So, you know, coming right from the top, we got these, these rays of light, right? Represents the sacrifices that Jesus made for us. Right. So starting right at the top, um, I've got my father-in-law back here as a bald eagle um, who passed, uh, just kind of watching over us. This boat uh, right here is an actual picture of the boat that my great-grandfather came over from Italy on as a 13-year-old boy by himself. So can you imagine being a 13-year-old kid mm. hopping on a boat, knowing nobody, coming into America and starting a life? 13-year-old kid taking that trip by himself, no money, knows nobody, but made the sacrifice to go and do that to start a generation here in, in, in America. This next boat here is, is an actual picture of the boat that my grandfather served in World War II on. Um, he was in the Navy, served in World War II, and the sacrifices, he actually was, was lined up to be drafted by the Yankees, um, had to skip that opportunity to go serve in the war. That's a <clears throat> tremendous opportunity that he had to pass up on to go do his duty to protect this country. Um, kind of going further down, this is a, an actual picture of, of my two kids that I took in Montauk, which is at the end of Long Island. Um, Montauk is a place that my father always took me as a kid, and we still go every year. And it was a family vacation that we've been going on uh, now pretty much 60 years straight uh, since his father took him there. But what it represents is it represents my two kids. Mm. what it's all about <laughs> what it represents is my two kids standing on the shoreline looking out at the sacrifices their fathers made before them to raise the tide the responsibility that I have as a father to continue to raise that tide for them and every generation is going to come after them to live a freaking full life that they deserve. And that's why I proudly carry this in my arm every day. So I hope that answers that question. That energized me. So we didn't talk about fitness, but can you slide back and put the whole gun in the middle of the camera? Because it was kind of cut off for us. I want to make sure everybody gets it. That's, yeah, that's, there we go. That's beautiful. That, but yeah. I'm a tattoo guy, so not only does the tattoo move me, but the story. I didn't expect that. That's amazing. Hey, man, thank you for sharing that. I'm kind of a rebel, so I don't have tattoos like everybody else. Not yet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't even know where to move on from that because that was so. Can epic, you move on from that? I, I got to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, just thank you again. Yeah, dude. just for the vulnerable. 
vulnerability and just uh, sharing that. I, I hope this speaks to our audience and, and uh, it speaks to us. So I hope it really speaks to our audience and and uh, just understanding that uh, you know the power when you start focusing on God and your family and, and, and generational um, legacy. Yeah. Um, something we've talked about. Travis talks a lot about just others um, being others centered. You know, and uh, I use rising tide raises all ships on a weekly basis, even in in our business and my in my family life and everywhere I go, just because I believe the spirit of being a completer, not a competer, is a kind of the essence of what we're talking to here. Is being able to everywhere you every room you walk into, you're a ther you're a thermostat, not a thermometer. You're a prime mover, and that starts with washing fit feet, being others centered. And, and be looking to raise the tide for everybody. So, so powerful, man. So I, if you got any energy left, what are your core values, personal core values, if you have any? Sure, my, my personal core values are, are honesty, integrity, leaving every person, place, and thing better than I found it. So for me, it's about um, every person you meet, giving them grace, meeting them where they're at, um, not taking it personally, but just giving them the ability to be their raw authentic self and loving them as they are, but seeing what they could be um, and helping them see that as well. Man. All right. So last uh, two questions. Um, it's about two books. And then I'll ask you to give a book recommendation uh, or a couple. Um, so one of my favorite books that I've read over this last year is a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. And uh, in essence, if you haven't read it, what it is, is when you're in business or in life, it can be used in any arena. You can compare it to between marriages, relationships, or anything else. The red ocean is the bloody ocean where most people compete. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's the race to the bottom uh, mantra. It's everybody in a certain area of business is doing this one strategy and they're cutting each other alive. And I'm out here in my own blue ocean or marriages are a red ocean of marriages. I'm going to knock off at five o'clock. I'm going to stop by the store, grab a six pack of tall boys, sit on the couch on Monday night and Al Bundy it up. I'm going to have a hand in my pants and I'm going to complain because my wife didn't cook me a meal. That's the red ocean of husbands. What is Jim Sabellico's blue ocean strategy? Heart. Um, <laughs> it's literally at the core of what I do, man. But it's, it's something that I don't think enough men are comfortable with expressing openly, <clears throat> telling their friends they love them, um, being vulnerable, not thinking that masculinity has to be this uh, super crazy, tough, macho guy. Um, <clears throat> I've said before, I don't know if you've heard the expression, it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in the war. But what I see so much of is people who are warriors standing in a garden so nervous that someone's going to walk by and see them in the garden and think that they're a gardener, that they have to outwardly project this warrior macho mentality and, and tell everyone, Hey, just cause I'm standing here doesn't make me a gardener. But what I need people to, to see more of <clears throat> is it's okay, man. People are going to judge you. Be yourself. Let your heart shine. Okay. Be in that garden. And when the war comes, they're going to know, okay. They're going to know who you are. But don't let people's opinions of you prevent you from putting your heart first, honoring your relationships, being afraid to be emotional, being afraid to be vulnerable and transparent, and loving on people. <clears throat> we need less people to be this 
this macho facade that they put on and and stop pushing down their emotions and their struggles and just freaking be real people and uh that's that's what i personally try and emulate as much as i can and i wish more people would too and i just wrote down i'll take i'll take notes and uh of course i normally can't read my handwriting afterwards so maybe that's the root cause of filming a podcast so i could remember this but i wrote down this is five star like my last uh, energizer round question is what is showing up as a prime mover look like to Jim Sabellico? Well, let me just say the last 51 minutes have been the definition, the culmination, the admonition, and the intentionality of what a prime mover actually means. Uh, so I'll close by, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you at the end, uh, think about a book recommendation, but one of my favorites, again, I, I'm, I'm coming off of a year where I read about 25 books this year, and I have the same thing. I have another 25 on my target list for this coming year, but um, Your Next Five Moves was a major book for me in my life, and I'm using that, that scenario on a daily basis. So, man, straight from the heart, which is how you roll, talking to a young husband, young entrepreneur, young go-getter, what's your next five moves? How do you transition to a prime mover? What's your first five moves? Um, I guess we'll think about in real time here. Uh, so number one, are we talking my first personal five moves or are we talking about someone in general? Anybody recommendation? Hey, I want to become, I want to live in hardcore growth. I want to be a, have a no half cakes life. I want to be a prime mover. What's the first five things I got to do, Jim? You have to drop the ego and pride. That's a number one. Okay. Drop the ego and pride. You got to know absolutely who you are at the core, not who society thinks you are, not what mask you put on this morning, but you got to know who you are. You got to get clear on whose you are. Okay. You got to understand what your purpose is in life and, and what mission you've been put here to do. You have to get real clear on the fact that you can die tonight, <clears throat> if not sooner. Okay. You have to have a, a utmost sense of urgency that you woke up this morning, freaking take advantage of that fact and don't waste the opportunity. Okay. And you have to be kind. I know that might not be the fifth answer you thought of, but <clears throat> kindness is something that I think we we lack a ton of. We got so many people who are operating in this spot right now <clears throat> where we are, are missing that feeling, right? I say a lot of times people need to feel loved, seen, heard, and appreciated. And a lot of that resonates around being kind to one another, not uh, easy to judge, not easy to critique, not easy to call out our, our weaknesses and our soft points with the wrong intentionality, right? I'm all for you calling out my weaknesses and my, and my, my areas that I can grow on with the right intentionality, but cutting each other down to try and make our building a little bit taller is not how it's going to get done. Yeah, man, that that's, that's amazing. Like uh, we've always said that uh, I can go to anybody, a brother in love. And if it's in love towards that brother to help them grow, that's how we can address and correct and, and guide. But if, if it's just to tear down or break, man, I'm with you hundred percent. You know, like this, yeah. there's no need for that. There's, there's a real. reason why uh, loving stunt comes with grace and truth. And it's in that order. Uh, so Jim, I love you, man. Uh, you're a tremendous example of, of grace and truth for me. Just so many nuggets here, guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen, or anybody watching, uh, living a no half cakes lifestyle, gave you your next five moves. Um, man, we just talked about intentionality, integrity, a rising tide, raising all ships. 
This is the language that a covenant or a relationship speaks in. Um, this is not the language of, of the world. One of Jim's uh, verses, uh, he has a life verse, and so do I. It's Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is it. This is how you, you drop your ego and pride. This is how you become self-aware. This is how you become who you are. And it starts with vulnerability. So the last thing I ask you, Jim, is give our guests a book recommendation that you feel um, will begin the journey to a no half cakes lifestyle. I would say <clears throat> the book, which I actually literally finished reading a few days back. So it might be just because it's fresh, but uh, Kingdom Man by Tony Evans. Uh, if you haven't read it, I, I highly recommend it. <clears throat> it gives a really insightful and easy to consume perspective on what it means to truly be a kingdom man. Um, the lessons packed inside are really eye-opening, um, no matter how far you are in your journey. And I think even for someone who's really just looking to kind of start out, it's packaged in a way that is very easy to uh, comprehend and, and really compare to your own life. So hands down, I'd recommend that one. Hey, Jim, where can, if people want to follow you, watch your podcast, or even try to reach out, where, where, where can we do that? Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere as Jim Sabellico. Um, there's not a lot of Sabellicos around, and I'm the only Jim. Uh, so you look up Jim Sabellico on any social media or jimsabellico.com, you'll find me. Uh, and I do my darn best to be as approachable as possible. So shoot me a DM, uh, tweet, smoke signal, carrier pigeon, uh, and I'll do my best to get back to you and honor that relationship as much as I can. I can vouch for that. Uh, Jim's a, a man of intentionality, and you've reached out to him. Um, he's well followed on Instagram. Uh, he's got a ton of content. I don't, I'll let you go figure out his Taco Tuesday um uh, uh, a mantra and maybe we'll talk about that on the next episode and uh we didn't talk much about fitness other than jim showing his massive bicep on camera with a beautiful tattoo but he does something with his kids where they walk uh, so many miles and, and pick up trash i mean guys you if you want to talk about what a prime mover looks like jim sabellico is that man so i'm honored and blessed to have him as our first guest on this podcast will definitely not be the last time we have them. So we want to thank everybody for joining us. That's going to conclude our episode of Prime Mover Podcast. So uh, we got a book recommendation. We got next five moves. We got, we'll drop all Jim's links in the show notes for you guys. So signing off, Prime Mover Podcast, Jim Sabellico, Nick and Travis, we're out. <laughs>